Hello and welcome to the Intrafish Podcast, our very first of 2022. I'm Editor-in-Chief Drew Cherry, joined today by Executive Editor John Fiorillo. Welcome, John, to the new year. We uh, are excited to get things started, but already there is uh, there is signs that COVID is going to have its way with our plans. So uh, this week already has been a very, very busy one, uh, in part because uh, early on in the week, we had a major seafood company, Peter Pan Seafood, say they would be pulling out of the Boston Seafood Show, uh, followed by a movie, The World's Largest Salmon Farmer and Cermak, which is uh, a major salmon farmer owned by Mitsubishi. Now, John, um, you and I have discussed this a lot. Uh, the, uh, the Boston Seafood Show, for those that don't know, it's one of essentially two major seafood trade shows um, each year. I mean, there, there's others. There are some Asian uh, shows. Um, there's shows here and there. There's conferences here and there. But when we're talking trade shows, which trade shows are for those that have never been, kind of a weird thing. It's sort of like a massive farmer's market uh, where everyone sets up booths and stalls and goes around and um, they hawk their wares, their latest new products, whether that be equipment or seafood products or just in general um, profiling their company. But they've been traditionally really, really, really important for the seafood industry. Um, and then it becomes kind of a you got to be there. If you're not there, wh where are you? Where, you know, what, what's the reason? What's the, the problem if you're not at the Boston Seafood Show uh, and what has been the Brussels Seafood Show, but is scheduled to, to move to Barcelona? Tens of thousands of people come to these trade shows. You are heading in from all around the world. You are landing at the same airport. You are getting into the same public transportation uh, 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 methods, and then you're going to the same hotels. It is, in this world of COVID, obviously a Petri dish. Um, certainly was in 2020 when we were dealing with, uh, dealing with the virus, didn't understand it, didn't know what was going to happen. Um, the, the death rates are very high. Hospitalization rates are very high. We have a much better understanding of how uh, how COVID works. We now have vaccines, which is, of course, a critical way to stay safe. Um, and we, in general, have a better uh, a better understanding of what we need to do to keep ourselves safe. Now, here we are in 2022. Fast forward. The Boston Seafood Show is scheduled to take place, as is the Barcelona Seafood Show. And there's a general belief around the industry that we can start to get back to normal business travel. Now, the Omicron variant uh, has caused um, a, a lot of a, it's, it's given us a different thought about what might happen in 2022. And these large companies that are pulling out of the shows um, indicate what th that not all companies feel comfortable with this now. The Omicron variant is very uh, transmissible. It is, uh, by all um, by all reports, not as uh, much of a threat as the Delta variant was. Now, the Delta variant has not gone away. It's still circulating around. And I read the other day that there's even a Omid Delta or Delta Crom or something where it can actually come together. 
this thing's going to be around a long time. Now, Omicron, it is spreading like wildfire right now. It is spiking all over the place um, in every country. What epidemiologists think is that it's going to spike super high and then it's going to fall off. That happened in South Africa. Uh, and there's hopes that it would happen uh, here in the United States and in, uh, in Europe. But until that time uh, where it does that, it's going to uh, put a lot of pressure on the uh, on the healthcare sector, which is already under a tremendous amount of pressure. Now, John, I'm going to turn it over to you and let's talk a bit about uh, about um, the discussions we've been having. You did a commentary where you questioned, is this the time we all we all want to see uh each other. We all want to have business travel and meet people face to face, um, starting with within our own companies. Um, I haven't seen you in person for months and months and months and months. Uh, and we don't live that far away. So what's your thought? Um, we're just going to keep on this one topic for today's podcast, because it seems like this is on everybody's minds right now. So, um, yeah, where do we go? Well, um, I mean, the, the reason I wrote the commentary was um, because the calendar shows us that the National Fisheries Institute uh, Global Seafood Market Conference is next week. So a week ago, I, I that. I refresh my memory that 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 was coming up, and uh, at the same time, Omicron was you know beginning to surge, and we all know Florida and its approach to vaccines and a mass and all that. Um, so, and, and that the conference is going to be in Orlando. So, looking at that, I was just like, wow, is is it irresponsible to to do this right now? I mean. Are we really going to bring all these people, like you just said, you know, into the uh, uh, a, re a confined space, so to speak? Same restaurants, same hotels, handshakes, hugs, blah 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 blah. Is this really the time to do that? Now, let's be clear: uh, whether it's NFI's conference or the approaching Boston Seafood Show in March, both events and the organizers of these events are taking all the precautions that are required, probably going above and beyond where they can. And that's, I mean, that's necessary, obviously, but th that's to be expected. Nevertheless, we, <laughs> um, I don't want to pick on you, but you know, you are fully vaxxed and boosted and everything. And, over the holiday, you got COVID. I, I, I know no other person that I know personally that's more careful and tests more regularly and, you know, is really diligent about this than you. And you got it. So now because you're vaccinated and boosted and everything, uh, the, you know, the symptoms are, are less severe. You're knock on wood, you're not going to the hospital or anything like that, but it disrupted your life for a better part of a week and, and beyond. So um, despite all the precautions is my point, this still is spreading and it's still being passed along. So, you know, should we be doing this? That was, that was kind of the extent of what I was asking. And uh, subsequent to that editorial, um, 
Peter Pan and Sir Mac and Maui, as you uh, mentioned, have come out and decided that for them, uh, you know, going to the show this year was not was not a good option. So, and a lot of others have not a lot. Let me put it. Let me be more correct. Uh, foreign exhibit, you know, foreign travelers and foreign exhibitors who planned on attending the show have also canceled. We don't have company names or numbers, but Diversified, uh, which runs the Boston show, um, admitted that or acknowledged that in a press release uh, this week, yesterday, I can't remember when it was, saying that the show's going on regardless, the show will go on and, um, you know, um, it's time, a a lot of people, you know, it's time to get back to business. Well, yeah, the show isn't the only thing affecting business as we know because we haven't had it the last two years but i understand the sentiment i understand diversified's position they haven't had any revenue from these shows in uh two two years um and what company can withstand that and not many um so you know everybody's got a point i i just find myself i i don't really think um that we necessarily need to do these events right now, but you know, that's, that's the way I see it. And in events in the business world in general have, uh, are important in-person events. Um, you know, trade shows are kind of unique. Like I described at the top, um, they are in a way, you know, I think you've, you've written a lot about it, John. And, um, and, and I think you, you, um, know uh, well the amount of money that are that is made off trade shows and the amount of time and planning and investment that's put into trade shows i don't know the margins of of trade shows but um i'm assuming they're they're fairly good but at the same time you have to outlay quite a bit of cash and you know the industry has an interesting relationship with these trade shows there are so many of them so many conferences uh there have been over the years um, what was the reaction to your commentary, both, uh, on social media and, uh, emails, calls, um, yeah, give, give our, our listeners a, a taste of that. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, on social media, on LinkedIn, where I post a lot, um, the, it was overwhelmingly, uh, people, uh, saying, well, I'll be there business must go on. Okay. Um, so publicly that's what was being said by, you know, certain, certain companies, certain people on my phone. However, when, uh, following that uh, calling me, it was completely different. There were calls of, you know, literally people walking through their debate in their mind with me on the phone, you know, going from, well, we, we can get back to business and then going, but wow, what if one of my employees brings it back and gets his family sick or, you know, gets the office all sick and we got to shut the office down. So privately people are, I mean, and that's why I wrote this because I had already been getting these calls that people struggling. And, and I, you know, I mean, everybody from, salespeople and companies to execs and, and everything in between. And, um, they were really struggling with what to do. You know, a lot of deadlines had just come, 
outcome up for Boston in particular. You know, hotel booking deadlines, uh, booth booking, and all. There's a lot of deadlines that you have to, you know, meet when you're when you're exhibiting at a show. So I think that kind of brought brought this, you know, energy out of people and. Uh, you know, privately, there was a lot of consternation. There were, there's a lot of people wondering what to do. And then out of the blue, um, you know, Roger May, uh, Peter Pan, kicks out uh, the press release. And, you know, I don't know how many people know Roger. I, I've grown to know him over the years. Roger is a very independent thinker, I would say, if you if you ask me. It's Roger May like that would probably be my first uh, response. So it did surprise me in a way. I mean, this is the same guy who this summer, uh, now that he owns Peter Pan, uh, posted uh, Bristol Bay salmon prices uh, before the season started. The the prices they'll pay to fishermen. I mean that that that's just not done in Bristol Bay. It, it's it's taboo, but. You know, Roger is is Roger. He's an independent thinker, like I said. So once that came out, um, it seemed to um, at least push this issue even higher in the industry's mind. And like you said, since then, others have canceled. Now, I reached out to Gavin Gibbons at um, NFI the other day. I think it was Wednesday, I think. And I asked him, you know, are is is the NFI conference still a go? And he said, yep, it's still a go. Um, and he told me this year they expect about 375 attendees. And in 2020, the last one they held, uh, they had about 488, he said. So um, fewer, but, you know, not, not terrible. Uh, Boston, on the other hand, um, from our calculations looking at their exhibitor list right now and it's changing daily but when we wrote the story on thursday they had roughly let's see 650 exhibitors listed and that compares to 1329 exhibitors in 2019 so you know they're they're quite a bit behind i i guess you'd say and the other aspect of that is exhibitors are one thing. They're, they're half, half of a show, I would say. The other half are the buyers who come from Costco's and restaurant chains and retailers and, you know, you name it. The, the big buyers, is that they, they are the holy grail that every exhibitor wants to get time with at their booth or, you know, privately over dinner or whatever. So we're we're unclear where all those buyers are right now. We've heard from a few who uh, uh, pretty much summarize what everybody else seems to be thinking. We're and that is we're a go for now. We're gonna watch it, and if it gets to a point where it seems uh, you know not not really good to do, then we're gonna um, not go. So yeah, that's kind of where we are. Okay, so let's let's just for for uh, for listeners, uh, most of our subscribers, I think, probably uh, have an appreciation for this. But for listeners that might not uh, know what the Boston Seafood Show is, I gave you a, a quick outline of it. But 
let's set up the stakes a little bit for folks so because who cares it's a trade show right i mean you either go or you don't what's the big deal these trade shows people spend a lot of money on them um Intrafish is exhibited at the Boston and uh, Brussels Seafood Shows for years um, with small booths, but uh, but we have invested a lot of money into that. Um, now, imagine when you get these much larger booths. Sometimes they'll build two-story, uh, essentially small little houses um, to meet with customers and, and prospective customers. Uh, with separate little rooms you can go into, private rooms. Um, they'll have a chef. They'll have people cooking up their products, serving it out, serving out free samples to everybody walking by. You, It's not unusual to have 10, 15, 20 people uh, from your company going to these shows. Um, people are investing uh, tens of thousands of dollars on these events. So the reason that people are watching this and the reason that they're so um, that they're so concerned about it is it is a big investment. It's a big, big investment. And um, I will personally say that um, for me, um, and I, I think you'd agree, John, because we've talked about this over the past uh, week or so, that it's been a, a, a useful thing for us as media and journalists to go. Um, we also host our, our own events um, uh, at at the, the Boston and Brussels show. You know, near nearby or connected to the um, connected to the show. So we'll have, you know, um, whatever 100, 200 people or so into these uh, events. The same concerns, right? They're in a closed space. So um, events and bringing people together is an important part, viewed as an important part. Uh, by a lot of people uh, uh, of, of doing business. Now, again, that investment um, is the tricky part. Are people going to show up? Are the right people going to show up? Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're going to need COVID uh, vaccine passports. We're going to, you know, people have to do temperatures. People have to do all of these things. Um, in some cases, I've seen at some trade shows, they want negative tests. Well, that's problematic because you can sometimes continue to test positive for months and months after you're recovered. Um, so so it, it, it's, it's really the stakes for these things from a financial perspective from uh, the seafood, aquaculture, and fisheries industries with these trade shows are pretty high. Um, you know, and, and your commentary, John, it got us talking too about uh, it prompted me to write a, a commentary because I had to fire back. Of course, whenever John writes a commentary, I have to figure out how I can either rebut it or, or somehow, um, <laughs> usually, usually it, it, it riles me up. But in this case, I could say it inspired me because we got to thinking about this and got to thinking about trade shows, got to thinking about this, this notion of everybody coming together from all over the world into one spot. And it has traditionally been very efficient to do that. Um, as you're walking through these trade show halls, you spot people that you've known for a long time. You know, you make a quick connection. You, for us as journalists, you see a CEO that never picks up the phone, and you're able to just sort of buttonhole them really quickly and you know get a comment or say, "Hey, can I pull you aside for an interview?" 
or you just get a couple moments to make a personal connection that's that's going to lead to a relationship. And that's, I think, for everybody. But things have changed dramatically. And, and the, the thoughts that I had about it was, um, to what extent now have things changed so much about in-person meetings and events? Um, and particularly trade shows where there's so many people coming together. To what extent will those be important again in the future? I don't think they're going away. I don't think in-person events are going away. Um, I still believe that they're important to, to uh, see people face-to-face -face, uh, in any, uh, any business. Um, one of the first rules of journalism is that you, you want to be, uh, you, you know, it's always better to meet people in person. You can always get some, a bit more interesting out of it and get a bit, a bit better understanding of things. But um, there's this larger shift in our working lives that this notion and what you said, John, that, that, that refrain that we had heard so much of it's time to get back to business. Let's get back to business. It made me think about how much of my own working life, and I think I can speak for a lot of people in the industry, has been built around the trade show calendar. Um, you know, when, when is Boston? Well, we have to get uh, we have to get going. For the past twenty years, John, it's been okay. We got deadlines. We're going to put out a print newspaper that will distribute it to show. We have to get our coverage ready. We'll do a, a blog. We'll line up these interviews. We'll email these people to set those up. And we send a lot of our team. You know, it's been uh, something that's been uh, that, that we have had to plan around and spent a lot of a lot of time on. It's been effective and efficient and it's been um, it's been a good thing. But what I think you and I can also say over the course of the years is that it can be a tremendous not completely, but let's say a tremendous partial waste of money. And let me explain that. That oftentimes uh, Boston and Brussels in particular have been kind of um, maybe a reward for people. Um, people kind of find different reasons to go. Anybody that's been to these events knows kind of the, the hot spots where everybody goes to the bar and, um, you know, drinks and carouses and whatever. I would say over the years, John, it's probably gotten more professional, <laughs> professional than it used to be. Um, but, <laughs> but, but still, um, it can sometimes feel like, uh, you know, a big party and there's nothing more frustrating than those of us that do go there and, uh, and, and, uh, buckle down and do a lot of work and, and are exhausted, uh, by the end of the week, there's always a bunch of people where you're just kind of wondering what the hell are they doing here? Um, and I'm talking about our own company too, in the past, you know, where, uh, where you're kind of just looking around and going, wait a minute, there's, there's like 15, 20 people for us at Intrafish. That's, that's massive, you know, and you look around and say, what exactly are the rationale for all these people being there? They're all booking all these hotel rooms. They're making all these flights. Um, they're eating, I, you know, the costs just pile up and up and up. So in some ways, I think that um, the way that the, uh, the seafood industry, probably a lot of industries, but the seafood industry has kind of focused itself uh, so much around, in particular, these two trade shows, I think that's changing. Year one, 
It was, oh, you know, I really wish we could see each other. Oh, I'm really going to miss it. Year two, oh, man, you know, yeah, this is around Boston time. But if you didn't get used to that and adjust your business over the course of the past two years, um, and if you still are kind of, again, quote unquote, waiting to get back to business, you might be wishing uh, for a time that's not coming back. Because, uh, number one, we don't know what's going to happen with, with COVID. I mean, yes, we'll get a handle on this. Um, it's endemic. Uh, we're going to see these waves. We're going to see a spike. Uh, like you mentioned, John, I got it and was out of the office for a week. And I felt really crappy. Um, then I'm kind of back. And that's just, that's life. That's a, a, a cold flu. That's how this is all going to, um, how this is all going to happen. Now, I think that um, that with all these changes, though, I get a sense there's a certain segment of the industry that really, really feels an affinity toward this that goes beyond kind of, hey, we need to, uh, there's a business rationale. And, and so what I mean is that, you know, it, it seems like it's become um, something that you just have to do. And in a time when efficiency is important, where so much is done online, um, it, it, that's not going to change. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, really interesting discussion because um, I remember way back kind of when the web took off and email and all those things, you know, people were – uh, uh, forecasting the death of trade shows, and it was like, why travel? I can just email, blah blah blah. Trade show tends, uh, the, the trade shows in general tend to be fairly resilient creatures. In in our space, in the Boston and Brussels, uh, and the China show, for that matter, um, uh, Boston and Brussels are woven into the fabric of this industry. Mm -hmm. They've they've been going on for. 40 years i think boston is uh, or its 40th rendition and uh they are woven into the fabric now the the thing that covid did however was it you know it was a hard stop to these shows and it gave companies the chance to take a look at the investment really kind of say whoa wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you mean to tell me I'm going to be able to push down two hundred thousand uh, dollars to the bottom line here because I don't have to spend that on you know going to trade shows this year? So I think the result of that will be ultimately that many companies will lower their footprint at these events. They'll they won't go for the skyscraper. Um, you know, block long uh, booths and things like that. They won't send 30 people. Maybe they'll send 12. I, I, I think that will be a result of this. Um, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, um, you talked about costs and you talked about costs of sending people in the booths and all that. But we have to remember, particularly with Boston, a lot of companies spend the, the year prior creating new products, new packaging, uh, rebranding that, and they do that with the idea of rolling it out at the Boston show. It's kind of, you know, a debut party. Um, and Peter Pan admitted to that, um, in its press release, it said, 
it didn't say how much, but it said it spent a lot of money rebranding with the uh, with the idea of rolling it out and <clears throat> in, in Boston. So uh, shows are resilient, you know. I mean, uh, vir- we've had two years now of virtual events, um, and I, <laughs> even though we do them ourselves, and we've do great events. I think in general, the business world has become fatigued of, you know, virtual meetings and Zoom. And I, I, I mean, the data, the data supports this if you start reading, you know, general news about it. So I don't know. I mean, if you're asking me, the trade show going away? No, no, the trade show, no, trade shows are not going away. And what will they look like post-COVID? I I just think they may look smaller, um, but then again, you know, one thing COVID has taught me personally is I really like being around people. This isolation, working from mm. home, and it, I and I know others, you know, my friends and everything. That, that this is why everybody is so frustrated and tired of this because I just want to go to the grocery store and not worry and see somebody smile at me instead of trying to figure out if they're smiling at me or you know <laughs> frowning at me because uh, I can't see past the t- uh, bridge of their nose you know so uh yeah I don't know the the post-covid era what 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 it will look like I I I wish I could tell you. There's a social cost, like you say. There's a social cost to us all not being able to see one another. Uh, All of us being uh, kind of paranoid of one another. Um, And I don't know how long that's going to stay with us. I think for those of us that COVID is a complete blow to to our, our well <laughs> it's been a complete blow to everybody's lives but what i mean by that is i think some of the the kids now especially young young kids to them this is you know having people wear masks in the future won't seem necessarily that odd right and i don't think masking is going to go away anytime soon even as covid sort of um, cycles down. I expect that you will see a lot of people wearing masks in every flight you take for years and years and years to come. Um, I, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. I don't think the trade show or in-person events or visits to factories, etc., those aren't going away. But what I do think is we, I, I do think there's something, there's, this is indicative of, of a larger issue here. Um, and when, uh, when you had told me, you know, kind of all the people that were saying they wanted to get back to business, that, that phrase to me, it really made me think about what is that, what does that mean? And, and I just think there is a, there, there's maybe some, denial on a certain um, part of the industry that uh, what we're seeing is not acute. They are macro trends that were going to happen anyway. They just may have happened over the period of 10 years versus two years. And I think that that to me is, is maybe the takeaway from some of the sort of importance of the trade shows in people's working lives. 
Um, you know, in-person events are, as, as you just said, John, I don't think they're replaceable. I don't think they're going away. People need that. You need to be able to see people. You cannot develop relationships with people just online. However, there are major changes that are going to make that, uh, make that, um, that move away, that regular connection and that sort of classic traveling salesperson uh, concept. I think that notion's kind of, it's radically changed. I don't know that it'll go away completely, but it has been dramatically scaled down. And I remember early on in the pandemic, you know, we had, ironically, we were having an, an, an event. It was a digital event. But um, that was one of the first things that um, we had heard from executives that were kind of looking at what this is all going to mean. In a sense, it was like, yeah, we knew this was coming. We knew that we were going to need more developers than outside salespeople. <laughs> we knew that we were going to need digitally native people versus people that still, that maybe had been there a long time doing things a specific way. I'm not saying people that have, um, that are uh, older or that are, have more seniority that they are not able to adapt. But I think there is a sense that Okay, this industry, I mean, it's the seafood industry, fishing, aquaculture, the seafood trade and processing, no question. It is, um, it's been around uh, forever and forever and forever. And uh, it has been reluctant to change things like marketing, things like uh, online sales, automation, um, the way that it, supply chain management, all of these things have lagged in the industry. And I think people have been making these huge leaps into the future over the past couple of years that they were going to make anyway. Um, and in some ways, maybe it's been what you could call an excuse or a rationale to just say, great, we need to make this change now. But in some ways, you know, and, and there is a little bit of sadness there, but in some ways, I don't think it will be the same uh, the same way. Um, in part because of the advance of technology, but also again, we're bringing new people into all of our respective businesses, and these new people are used to communicating in a way that's not face to face. That whether we like it or not, those are tomorrow's readers, tomorrow's seafood consumers they interact in a different way. Um, I mean, it's, it's something, you know, TikTok's a great example. Um, you know, I, I was talking to my, my son. I'm at the age now where I have to ask my kids about, <laughs> about how things are used. Um, I know what TikTok is. I know it's, I think it's primarily dancing. But his point was, you see things go. He said, you see things for a second and it's gone. You know, because I was asking him about how do you keep attention? You know, how do you even uh, how do you even process all this stuff when all this information is going by so quickly? And he said, well, you just kind of forget it. And I think that, um, again, there's something larger here. There's a larger lesson than just are you going to Boston or you're not going to Boston? Are we going to get back to business that's suddenly a very small part, I think, of the, of the, I think it misses the point that the point is there's no getting back to business, that uh, this is the future. And in fact, you know, most businesses are still 
behind the eight ball and trying to figure this out. I mean, I just gave the perfect example. I'm not trying to figure out how the hell TikTok works, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you think, John, but I mean, it, it's certainly in our business and, you know, media of course is uh, constantly changing and it's just, um, the, the difference between when we have people coming in, newer people to the company, particularly people that are younger, just the amount that that I learn from them um, is kind of astonishing. Um, it's a real two-way street, right? I mean, we're we're training new reporters in the industry and in in, in, uh, in new media styles of of reporting and and uh, publishing stories, etc. But then we're learning so much about social media, about how people interact with sources, etc. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think the last two years, like almost every company involved in this industry and probably any other, it has just been in survival mode mode. And, you know, uh, when you get in that mode, uh, you, you tend to focus very tightly on the priorities. And I think that's helped a lot of companies. So, you know the trade show connection to that there there really isn't one but but it it is what you're saying it is kind of an evolution of doing business right this the old way of we go to boston we meet somebody we sell them some i mean that that like i said that's not going to go away but um business has changed and the, the way uh, executives and their employees uh, approach it has changed. So what's that going to look like, you know, when we get out of this mess? I, I have no idea. I mean, I guess the good thing to say in all of this craziness is that the last two years uh, in the U.S. and throughout a lot of Europe have been the best years for seafood consumption <laughs> consumers have finally been forced uh by a global pandemic to <laughs> to cook seafood at home and lo and behold it's like everybody's been telling them for 20 30 years it's not hard to do in fact it's easy to do and it's really healthy for you so <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, yes, the pandemic's been terrible, and everybody will 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 admit that. But for seafood consumption, it's been uh, kind of a shall I say golden age, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, you're absolutely right. And I think what we have seen too is, and this goes both to the marketing aspect, but as well as just within people's companies, but um, the consolidation of the sector. Um, that's going to be one big thing that's going to change uh, things as, as well. I mean, look at a major company like uh, like Cargill that owns uh, Avos, um, the, the major aquaculture feed manufacturer. Cargill is just massive, and they're going to get more massive. They'll buy a seafood company, salmon farming, who knows what, um, soon, uh, if I were a betting man. Now, that type of consolidation, when you start getting all these sort of smaller players out of it, that also changes business dramatically as well. You have relationships that are much more, um, much more based on analytics. You know, like you, you look at, say, a supplier to Walmart, a, a really close supplier, um, the Fission Company is a good example. 
Um, they employ, this is many companies, employ a lot of data analysts, a lot of analysts of Walmart data. Those are the types of people that are going to become more and more and more important. It's taking that data, crunching those numbers. Sadly, unfortunately, we're pretty predictable as human beings. And a lot of, given the amount of time that we spend on, uh, on our computers, um, people, we're able to be targeted very, very specifically. And that, that whole sense of, again, of, of how, how we're marketed to, it's, it, it doesn't take away the human element. I think we need to, I think we need to make sure that we're not, uh, that we're not f fatalistic and thinking that we'll, that, that business will not be done face to face. I just think that's, that's at, we're human beings. That's not going to change until we evolve into whatever, whatever kind of strange being will evolve into in the future. Robots. But, well, yeah. Well, that that automation's a whole other area too, right? There's even, I mean, there's big advances in uh, robot journalism. So I'm, you know, I'm looking over my <laughs> shoulder too. I mean, well, luckily we're at the end of our careers. So there you go. Don't well, worry about yeah. It. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's just very different how we, how we interact. That consolidation is going to mean less personalization, less personalization, I think on the business to business side and much more about data, much more about uh, blockchain, uh, automation, artificial intelligence, all of these things are just going at a breakneck pace. That's happening at the same time consolidation is happening. So these small family-owned companies across the world, uh, Asia, Europe, the United States, uh, South America, those family-owned companies are going away. Uh, and they're being either forced out of business or bought by larger, larger companies, bought by private equity companies that, guess what? Those private equity companies want to spin them off to larger groups like Cargill. Um, and we also have other, other mega trends here, here too that I think are going to change how business is done. Um, carbon emissions are just right on top of everybody's agenda right now. What's the number one emitter of carbon? Airplanes. Um, very guilty as charged. I don't want to know what my carbon footprint is after all these years. But it's something where it's new for many of us that have been um, in the business world uh, doing, uh, doing jobs for, for many, many years. But it's, it's a big deal to people coming up, to, to younger employees um, it's a big deal to lenders. It's a big deal to companies now. They have to look at that. It's an easy line item to say, oh, you know what? If we just cut down on our air travel, look at how much we'd save. So these are all these mega trends that are, that are uniting to really, to really change how, how things are done. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what's your view then, John, if we're sort of putting a bow on this, um, looking not just at, at, at the trade shows, but maybe using trade shows for a lens of how things are changing. How do you think business looks different from your point of view going forward in the seafood industry? Yeah, I mean, you laid it out pretty well, but as it intersects with uh, like uh, the seafood trade shows, um, 
Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I started going to the show in 94, the Boston show in 94, and it really hasn't changed much, but people, (laughs) I mean, right up until COVID hit, people really look forward to it. And like you said, you know, many companies' calendars are planned around uh, at least those two events and, and others. So, and, you know, there's a very real chance that once this is over and, you know, things quote unquote normalize, that we'll get right back to the way we were doing it. I've, I've, I honestly don't know. But, um, you know, at the moment, it's just it's just a weird, <laughs> a weird place to be. And if the show goes on this year, that that'll be great. That'll be kind of interesting to see. Um, if they postpone it, um, you know, that, that could happen as well, but, um, they're committed to it. And, um, a lot of other, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of exhibitors, uh, are as well. So we'll see what the experience is. And if, um, the experience inspires, uh, more, uh, activity next year or discourages it, depending on, uh, what the show looks like. I think it's going to be, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's going to be about flexibility. I think probably there will be another golden age of trade shows. Trade shows have continued to grow over the course of the past several years, just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, And there'll probably be a golden age when everyone feels comfortable that, okay, this is, this is a, a, an endemic virus Uh, It's going to be around. There'll be more therapeutics. There'll probably be better vaccines. There there will be an adjustment. You know, we've we've been through as a human race uh, plagues and been through pandemics in the past and we're still here. And and so I I think there will be a a resurgence of trade shows, a resurgence of events and conferences. People absolutely want that, need that, are looking forward to getting back to it. But again, what's it going to look like? How will it be different? Um, everything will be hybridized. They'll, they'll. It's just the way it's going to be. And so, you know, I, I think we have slight. I, I think, I think you and I are in in agreement on some things, John, and then um, and then diverge on on others, which is the way it's always been for the past twenty years of you and I working together. So, <laughs> let's see what's going to happen. I have my ticket booked to Boston. It's a flex ticket. And I think that's probably how we all need to be thinking about things is flexibility, mobility, uh, the ability to, to, to connect from anywhere, um, and probably getting more comfortable with how uh, business is going to be far, far more digital. Um, and, and I think we all already knew that, but it means learning new tools, learning how to use these tools most effectively. Um, and bring them in in a hybridized way, not just trade shows, but everything that we do. The, the in-person element, that's what's missing right now. The digital element, it's going to be far bigger than, in my view, than, in, than the in-person element. Um, I think the script was flipped um, prior to, to COVID. So let's see. See you in Boston? Question <laughs> mark. We'll find out. So anyway, all right. Thanks, John. Uh, Thanks, listeners, for joining us. Happy New Year. 
Um, hey, no matter what, let's, uh, let's hope it's going to be a great year. So we'll talk to you next week.